Hi, and welcome back to another edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Rubinson. It's week 14 of the NFL season, and this is the home stretch now. You know, if you're a team on the cusp, if you're a team fighting for your playoff lives, you have to make your move. You have to make your move. These are the weeks to do it. These are the weeks to you know, build momentum and make your move to try to secure your playoff spot, try to potentially win your division. And if you're already in the playoffs or at least in a comfortable spot, as I kind of just said, you got to build some momentum because as we've seen in the NFL, sometimes it's not always the best team that wins, but it's the hottest team that wins. It's the team that's really riding the momentum. So I'll go into each and every team, where they stand, how, what should they be looking for in these final five weeks of the NFL season. So let's get right into it because it's game time. So... We'll start with the Thursday night game as this is a really interesting game between two teams that have had really up and down inconsistent seasons. That being the Pittsburgh Steelers, who, you know, two weeks ago, it felt felt like everyone was writing them off. They had an embarrassing loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. But here they stand. After beating the Baltimore Ravens, they sit at 6-5-1. And right now are currently just on the outside looking in on the playoff race. But they're very much in in it. As Then you look at the Vikings. A team that playing pretty solid football. I thought was in a solid position to make a run and sneak into the postseason. Especially when you look at how top heavy the NFC is. But there's not much depth. And now a bad, you know, a tough loss to the 49ers and then a, a really bad loss to the Detroit Lions, the previously winless Detroit Lions Vikings losing on the very last play of the game. No time left. Three zeros on the board. Vikings giving up the game and a touchdown. Just a really poor performance defensively. Yeah, I, I know we tend to want to blame Kirk Cousins, but... You know, Kirk led his team to a game-winning touchdown. He played well enough to win this Vikings defense that, in the past, we've grown accustomed to them stepping up to the occasion, making plays, especially at home. I know this this game was in Detroit, but just a poor performance from the Vikings defense. As now, now they have now they have to turn over quickly. Now you have a short week. I'm gonna go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. As this game's in Minnesota, where the Vikings seem to play better in Minnesota, and the Steelers tend to play worse in Pitt or away from Pittsburgh. So when you look at those factors, it you know the scales do lean towards the Vikings, but I am gonna go with the Steelers. It's more of who do I trust, right? When it when it's a tough game, or maybe some factors are leaning you know, both ways. It's who do I trust more? And I think it's when you look at both these teams as, yes, the Steelers might not be the team that they have been for the better part of the last few decades, but it's still tough to say that, especially after last week's performance from both teams, to say you trust any part of the Vikings more than the Steelers. In what phase of the game 
Are you confident in the Vikings, you know, decisively over the Steelers? Yes, I think at this point in their careers, Kirk Cousins probably is the better quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger. But I think what we saw last week is when the Steelers have a good defense, Roethlisberger can make plays still. Roethlisberger is still more than capable of maybe you won't win because of Ben Roethlisberger, but you still can win with Ben Roethlisberger. I think that's something the Steelers are getting more accustomed. They're trying to get acclimated to it, knowing that they haven't had to deal with that for really Roethlisberger's entire career up until the last year or two. And I think they're starting to really kind of fill that in and get used to it and facing that reality. You look at the Vikings... Yeah, Kirk Cousins is more than capable of having a big game. We've seen it. But we've also seen Kirk turn the ball over, struggle when he has to make that one big play or make that game-winning drive. And then you look defensively at these two teams. We just saw Minnesota give up 29 points to the Detroit Lions. This Vikings defense has not been what I think a lot of people have been accustomed to seeing. It has Mike Zimmer, and you know Mike Zimmer's on the hot seat, and a big reason why is because of that defense. You look at Minnesota's offense. Dalvin Cook is questionable. We'll see if he plays. I don't think they're losing too much if they do. If Alexander Madison does have to play the bulk of the snaps, but the bigger loss is Adam Thielen. Thielen, one of the best route runners in the NFL. Him, along with Justin Jefferson, really form one of the best wide receiver duos. And yeah, a guy like K.J. Osborne, he's a solid receiver, but you're really asking him now to step up against a really, really good Steelers defense. And we saw that Steelers defense in action really limit Lamar Jackson, suffocate this Ravens offense last week. And I think, yes, this game is indoors. It's in Minnesota compared to Pittsburgh, but I do think that they're going to be able to limit this Vikings offense. I think Justin Jefferson will play, will have a nice game. But the Steelers defense getting back to full strength. TJ Watt playing some of the best football of the season. A three-sack performance against the Ravens. I think his dominant season continues against the Vikings offensive line. That's already suspect to begin with. They're without Christian Darrisaw, their rookie left tackle. The Steelers are used to playing in these big primetime games. Even if Roethlisberger's not the same player, I, I still think he's more than capable of having a game-winning drive. He's more than capable of, you know, hey, he might not be able to carry a team, but when you need him to make four to five big plays, he's still capable of doing that, even at this point in his career. And I think there's just more of an uncertainty with the Minnesota Vikings. And again, this is a huge game for both teams. As, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers, right now they're 6 they're six five and 1 Bills right now would hold the 7th seed at 7-5, and five, and the Colts are right behind the Steelers at 7-6. and six. So the Steelers are right in the thick of it. But in my mind, this is a game Pittsburgh should win, and when you have games on the schedule, and it, it's not going to be a cakewalk. I think it's going to be a competitive football game. But when you have games on your schedule that you should win at this point in the season, especially when you're in the position that Pittsburgh's in, 
You have to take care of business. And I think they will. I think they will. I think they'll come out of Thursday night, get a win, get that long break, get that almost like a mini bye week, you know, having, you know, played Thursday night. So yeah, I think they get the win against the Vikings. And I thought Minnesota would make the playoffs as of a week ago. But now, if they do lose this game, that'd be three straight losses, dropping them to 5-8. and eight. It would make life really difficult on Minnesota. And I think all eyes turn to Mike Zimmer and see if this is it for him as the head coach of the Vikings. Because the Vikings right now, they have a lot of holes. That defense isn't playing up to par. We know they struggle in big games. The inconsistencies are have been very prevalent throughout the last few years. And I think this year we're really start that's starting to show and right now there's just more bad than good. There's more inconsistent performances than positive performances. And and I think that's finally catching up with Mike Zimmer and the Minnesota Vikings. So Tough game on the road. It should be a competitive game. I think it will be a close game with these two teams being at least somewhat inconsistent. Vikings vary. Steelers somewhat inconsistent, definitely to a lesser extent compared to the Vikings. But I do think Pittsburgh comes out on top and gets a huge win to improve to 7-5-1 on the season. I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers this Thursday night. Now let's go... Starting with the sun, now let's go to the Sunday game. Starting with the New Orleans Saints taking on the New York Jets. As it wasn't too long ago, the Saints were in prime position to maybe not win the division, but they got a huge win against the Bucks. Even though you know Jameis tore his ACL, Jameis Winston tore his ACL. Trevor Simeon looked solid in limited playing time. They beat the Bucks, and they looked like the Saints were prime. To storm into January football. Well, now all of a sudden, after after I believe they were 5-2, and two, they've now gone on a five-game losing streak. They see themselves now at 5-7. and seven. We saw last Thursday night how Taysom Hill looked. Yeah, he made some nice plays on the ground. He was able to move the ball a few times. But if you're an opposing team, it's make Taysom throw the ball. And it's not always great when... The oppo- when opposing defenses are trying to force your quarterback to throw the football. That's never a recipe for success. Jets, meanwhile, they were competitive last week. Zach Wilson looked good. Uh, Garner Minshew against them looked fantastic, but I think there are a lot of positive signs from Zach Wilson last week, things that the Jets should be excited about, happy about, and hopefully for their sake and their organization and coaching staff, they can build on that performance. Zach Wilson can build on his promising performance and continue to get better from a physical and mental standpoint. This game is in East Rutherford. It is at MetLife Stadium. I am going to go with the road team. I'm going to go with the with the Saints. I think last week, this whole, you know, Taysom Hill, we even saw him we saw the Saints be able to move the ball when Hill was running it. But when you're facing a team like the Dallas Cowboys, who have a you know solid front seven and an explosive offense, even if the offense wasn't fantastic last week for Dallas, Dallas, an explosive offense and a very solid front seven, you're not going to really be able to run the ball 
at an effective rate, an efficient rate for a whole game. Against the Jets, that their offense has shown sparks at times this season, but now no Corey Davis. It's just not, it, this Jets offense is not what Dallas's offense is, and they're just a, one of the bottom offenses in the NFL. This isn't a very good offense, at least right now, especially when you look at the inconsistencies of it. So I think the Saints will be able to get by with a run-first mentality. We'll see if Alvin Kamara comes back this week. That should definitely help with his shiftiness out of the backfield. I think Taysom Hill, as a runner, I think the Jets might be able to limit that, but maybe not to the point Dallas did. I think Taysom Hill is definitely going to rack up the rushing yards. So I, I like the Saints in this one. I, I think you also, you just look at their defense. I think they'll be able to create, create some turnovers. I think they're going to end the losing streak. The only problem is I think it's too little too late. As we saw, for all the whole 30 for 30 jokes that Jameis Winston gets for his 30 touchdown, 30 interception season, he looked good when he was the starting quarterback for the Saints, and they were winning. They were winning when he was the quarterback. They were 5-2. and two. They were looking like a really good football team. Winston comes out of the equation, and at times they still look solid. Nearly beat the Titans. Tough loss against the Falcons. But this was a much better team with Jameis Winston under center. And I don't think we should let that slip by easily. I think that's definitely something that we should take notice. NFL teams who might need a stopgap quarterback should take notice. And I think it's something the Saints know. I'm not saying Jameis Winston is the long-term answer to replace Drew Brees. But we saw how the Saints were. We saw what the record was at the beginning of the year with Jameis Winston before he tore his ACL. They were a winning football team. They were a team that knew that seemed to know how to win, playing complementary football, which is something that we typically haven't associated with Jameis Winston. But that's kind of what the Saints team was. They were somewhat competitive with Trevor Simeon, but they couldn't close out games. They weren't finishing games. They weren't getting the job done. And then a bad loss last Thursday night with Taysom Hill starting after a blowout against a blowout loss against Buffalo. Since we're a good team with Jameis Winston, and I don't, and I don't think we should just let that slip by easily. I think it's definitely something that we should take notice and maybe take a closer look at how Winston can kind of be a a serviceable quarterback who maybe you can win with in the NFL with the right coaching and the right talent around him. Maybe he needed that change of scenery after leaving Tampa Bay. But I I do think the Saints, they pick up a win here. They end their losing streak. And meanwhile, the, the Jets get their 10th loss of the year. At least if you're the Jets, you have two top picks, as now with Jamal Adams out for the year, and I'll get to that in a bit. I mean, that trade's looking better and better for you if you're the New York Jets. So that's kind of the one positive right now if you're a Jets fan. Saints, I do think, it's the win on the road. Let's go. Division game now in the NFC. Atlanta Falcons traveling to Carolina, taking on the Carolina Panthers. Surprising development over the weekend. 
The Carolina Panthers fired their offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. Joe Brady was kind of thought of as that mastermind. I believe he he was at LSU when that offense kind of took control of the whole college football with Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. And obviously, you look at all that talent, but the way everything was schemed and designed, people thought that Joe Brady was, you know, it was only a matter of time before he was going to get an NFL coaching job. And if I'm not mistaken, he even interviewed for some for some NFL coaching jobs over the, uh, this past offseason. I mean, what a turn of events for him. Potential head coach to now fired offensive coordinator. I still think he has obviously a young, he's young, and I think he has a bright mind. And I think that this is going to be a good learning experience for him. Obviously, this wasn't the most potent offense Sam Darnold wasn't the guy I think the Panthers thought he was. The connection with Robbie Anderson just never got going. McCaffrey injured for the majority of the season. So it's not all on Joe Brady, but he certainly didn't do himself any favors with how the season turned out. I think we, I always thought we maybe need to pump the brakes on Joe Brady being an NFL coach. Not saying that he shouldn't have been eventually. I just thought we were kind of, you know, getting ahead of ourselves. I know everyone wants to hire kind of like the hot new offensive mind, and that's exactly what Joe Brady was. But I thought that let's see it first. Let's you know, let him let Brady establish himself before someone goes out and gives him a head coaching job. I do think he deserves another offensive coordinator job. And I even think being a potential head coach in the future is not out of the question. I just thought we, and again, I'm not saying people who were reporting it, I thought were fine, but I thought some of the interviews along with media speculation of he should be getting one or he deserves one in the next year or so, I thought we were just getting a little ahead of ourselves. And I think we saw that when the Panthers parted ways with him as their offensive coordinator. I think he, I think he should be a hot commodity this offseason, I definitely think he's going to get a lot of interest to be an offensive coordinator, whether that's in the NFL or in college. But I think he deserves another shot, definitely an offensive coordinator, even in the NFL. But I think we were a little too fast and we needed to pump the brakes a little on all the head coaching speculation and discussion surrounding Brady being a head coach in the NFL, potentially even as soon as next year is what we were, as what some were speculating. So now getting to the game, Falcons-Panthers, both teams, 5-7, and seven, pretty disappointing seasons. I'm going to go with the home team here. I am going to go with the Panthers. They've played, you know, solid football uh, as of late, kind of since Cam took over. Obviously, the dominant win against the Cardinals, close loss against Washington, and the game against the Dolphins really was ugly. They get the bye week. They get the extra week to prepare. I do wonder how the dynamic of changing offensive coordinators will affect the Panthers. At the same time, there's been so much turnover with this offense from Sam Donald to P.J. Walker to Cam Newton, McCaffrey in and out of the lineup that it might not be as big just because you're already having going through quarterbacks. It's not like Cam Newton was accustomed accustomed to Joe Brady. So I do think the firing of Brady maybe eliminates some of the 
you know, bye week, you know, position. You know, you get the bye week, get the extra small advantage. I think it takes away from some of that. But I still, I'm going to give the edge to the Panthers. I think Cam Newton's going to be motivated coming out uh, for this game. I think, you know, this Falcons, the Falcons not playing great football right now. They're 5-7. and seven. Uh, You know, they only scored 21 points against the Jaguars. Got shut out by the Patriots. Not not a great showing against the Bucks last week. So both these teams not playing inspiring football, to say the least. But I'm going to give the edge to the Panthers. I'm going to give the edge to the home team. I think they get. I think they get a win and improve to six and seven. Where, look, you get a win this week, or even if you're Atlanta, whichever team wins this week, they're six and seven. I'm not saying that either one of these teams will make the playoffs, but six and seven in the NFC. You're still right in the thick of it. You know, but it's t- both these teams. Yeah, they're not playing inspiring football, but you can't really say you're. They're gonna mail it in because with not with almost no depth in the NFC and how top heavy it is, those six seven spots in the playoff picture in the wild card. Those are <laughs> up for grabs for just about anyone. You know, you Washington is right in the thick of it at six and six. Even Minnesota, San Francisco, all these below five hundred teams or five hundred teams are still right in the thick of the playoff picture. So this is a big game for both these teams because whoever loses, they're five and eight. I think you probably can close the door on whichever team loses this game. Whichever team wins this game is right in the thick of it. Right in the thick of it. So. Although you might look at the records and you might look at how these teams have played over the last few weeks, you might not think it's a big game. And there's a chance that if one of these teams sneaks in, they'll get obliterated in the first round of the playoffs. And that's definitely a possibility. But this is a big game. Because whoever wins this game, their playoff hopes are still alive. And depending on what happens in some of these other games, those playoff hopes will be alive and well. So... Quietly a pretty big game this Sunday. I do think the Panthers get a win. They'll be six and seven, and they'll be right in the thick of the playoff of the potential playoff mix in the NFC. Now we owe two teams that their seasons are pretty much over. That being the Seattle Seahawks finally getting a win last week. I think it's just a good morale booster beating the Niners. Russell Wilson looked more like himself than really than he has since coming off of IR or coming off the finger injury. Taking on the Houston Texans, Texans two and ten. Obviously, a season that they didn't expect much. They cut Zach Cunningham this afternoon. Cunningham a year ago signed a four year deal worth fifty eight million. A guy they groomed, drafted, developed. And now, you know, it looked like one of their few success stories in that team, on that team, in that organization. And now, I guess because he showed up, apparently he showed up late to a COVID-19 test. I don't know if this was his first time or second time. He got benched this past week. And now flat out cut. We'll see what happens with him, the way things are structured. It's very possible that he'll be claimed on waivers. But really, both these teams, Seattle, Seattle and Houston... They're going to have to undergo, if they haven't even started, you know, in Houston's case, they've already started to undergo a rebuild. 
Seattle, I think, will have to start rebuilding potentially this offseason. We'll see what they do with Russell Wilson. But I don't think, I mean, you look at Wilson, as I said in the past, they've constantly have looked to Wilson to bail them out. And time and time again, up until this point, Wilson pretty much has. And I think we're finally starting to see when Wilson either is injured and not there or can't carry a team on his back, we're starting to see the true colors of how this Seattle roster was constructed. I mentioned before, Jamal Adams is out for the year. I mean, that's not even the worst part of the Jamal Adams situation. I mean, the the positional value of a safety is among the worst in the NFL. I know you can do different things with him potentially, and I and I think the interception numbers might be a little unfair. Interceptions can be fluky. But, I mean, you gave up two first-rounders, which so far the Jets have used one on Elijah Vera Tucker, who I'm a big fan of. And now that pick, I know they got a win last week, Seattle, and potentially this week as well. That pick's going to firmly be in the top 10. So really, I, I mean, that is... Uh, potentially historically bad trade for the Seahawks, and we'll see if the Jets can take advantage. I am going to go with the Seahawks here. I think they get another win, back-to-back wins. They beat a 49ers team that they were coming in hot, the Niners were. They're a better team than the Texans. I know this game's on the road in Houston, but for, for Seattle, you know, I think getting back on track, being able to finish the way they did against the Niners. Niners looked like they were going to drive to tie the game late. Seattle's defense held their own, didn't give in. I think that's definitely a bit of a confidence booster. Again, it's too little. I believe it's too little too late. Seahawks are 4-8. and eight. If they win this game, they're 5-8. and eight. So I don't think that the Seahawks are primed for a run at the postseason. But I do think they get back-to-back wins. And I think Wilson continues to progress coming off of that finger injury and has a has another really good game and the Seahawks offense starts to at least, you know, find potentially some rhythm. So I, I like the Seahawks here. I think they go on the road in Houston and beat the Texans. But not not much to look forward to, specifically in the future, if you're a Seahawks fan. Lot of lot of holes on this roster. I don't love overall how this roster has been constructed. And oh yeah, your pick that was going to be the most valuable pick you've had in years is property of the New York Jets because you traded it for a box safety. A position that is not very valuable in today's NFL. A position where you can find hidden value late in the drafts and late in free agency. A position where you shouldn't be giving up premium assets. That's exactly what Seattle did. So, not not a not a not a great positive future outlook if you're a Seahawks fan. There's a lot you're going to have to deal with this offseason. And we'll see how they do. The Seahawks will be a very intriguing team. How do they, how do they approach this offseason? Do they potentially part ways and trade Russell Wilson? Because I'm yeah, you know, I've been talking about the lack of draft capital they have and that's how you fix a roster that's poorly constructed. They don't have much draft capital, but if they trade Wilson, I mean, that'll change in a blink of an eye. Because we all know the type of package that any quarterback gets, let alone someone of Wilson's caliber. This offseason should be interesting. And the Seahawks are definitely a team to watch, specifically on the Russell Wilson front.
Let's go AFC now. Chiefs beating the Raiders a couple weeks ago. They face each other again, this time in Kansas City. Chiefs could be a dangerous team, and I know that's you know, a little surprising based on how they play because you could be saying uh, they've underperformed, the offense looks out of sync, and it has definitely. But what makes that even more impressive is the offense has looked out of sync. They're definitely not in a consistent rhythm. Bad drops by Kelsey and Pringle and Hill. Mahomes not making the right read at times. And yet, here they stand at 8-4 and four, with the defense playing very well. Yeah, we tend, we always criticize, I feel like whenever the, the Chiefs have been a popular topic on talk shows and radio shows, and uh, obviously Mahomes is going to grab all the attention, and this Chief, the Chiefs team that's been to back-to-back Super Bowls, led by its potent offense. Yeah, it's going to be the headline grabber. But I feel like when we talk about the Chiefs, it's been, what's wrong with the offense? Not, how about this defense? This defense, which I know a lot of people were skeptical of coming into the season. A lot of people thought the reason why the Chiefs aren't potentially going to win the Super Bowl is because of the defense. And meanwhile, Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator, is getting their defense to play like one of the best in the NFL. They moved Chris Jones back on the inside. It never really made... I understood why they wanted to try Chris Jones on the edge, but that never really worked. They move him back to where he's comfortable with. He's playing like one of the best defensive tackles in football. Tyron Matthews playing at an elite level. The Chiefs defense is playing very, very well to the point where if this Chiefs offense can get back to anything close... Like they were in the last two years, they are the. It's tough to say they won't be the favorite in the AFC, and I love what the Patriots are doing. And you can't discount Buffalo, and Baltimore, and the the AFC is really bunched together right now. No one's in my mind separating themselves. There are a lot of really really good football teams in this conference, but the Chiefs' offense starts playing like a top seven or so offense, and the defense continues to play at this level or close to it. I'm not saying they'll make the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl, but it's tough to say that if they if the offense plays like a top seven offense heading into the playoffs and the defense is playing at this at this level or close to it, it's tough to say the Chiefs won't be the favorite heading into the playoffs. Because I think you have to. The way the defense is playing and we know the potential that the offense has the Chiefs potentially could be a favorite, and I think this defense needs to be given more credit than it has. Because every time we talk about the Chiefs, it's always about Mahomes and Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, and they're out of sync, and the drops, and the misfires. And I understand that. I understand that. And those players are going to get you know, headlines and you know, time on air. But I think we also need to talk about this Chiefs defense. And how they've overperformed, and then and they and how they've exceeded expectations. And when the offense isn't what we thought it would be, how the defense is stepping up. That's I think what we need to be talking about more. That's what I think should be on talk shows instead of and not not, not I shouldn't say instead of. In addition to, oh, what's wrong with the Chiefs' offense? We should talk about what's right with the Chiefs' defense. The way Steve Spagnuolo has them playing. 
Steve Spagnuolo needs to be talked about more. Chris Jones needs to be talked about more. The Chiefs defense needs to be talked about more. The Raiders, I, I let off the podcast talking about the Steelers and Vikings and, and how they've had inconsistent seasons. I don't know if it gets any more inconsistent than the Las Vegas Raiders. Beat the Ravens, beat the Steelers, start off white hot. Then you fall into a hole. Then you beat Dallas on Thanksgiving. And then you kind of lay an egg, especially offensively, against the Washington football team. They're 6-6, six and six, the Raiders. They're definitely not out of it. AFC's kind of bunched together. But this isn't the NFC, where if you're 6-7, and seven, you're still right in the thick of it. I'm going to pick the Chiefs here. Game's in Kansas City. It's in a tough environment. We saw the Chiefs kind of start. It seemed like they got they were going to get the ball rolling against the Raiders with a nice offensive performance in that game. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. And as I said, with them playing the AFC, 6-7 and seven in the AFC is not equal to 6-7 and seven in, in the NFC. And I think the Raiders know that, and I, they need to be playing, I think, with a, more of a sense of urgency. That loss against Washington last week, I think, puts them at a bit of, at a disadvantage because 7-5, and five, yeah, it's a big game, but I still think, okay, you lose to KC, you're still 7-6, and six, you're still in it. You drop to 6-7, and seven, I don't want to say you're out of it, but again, with how with the cluster of AFC teams and how much they're grouped together, the Raiders are are really going to be digging a hole for themselves if they do go ahead and lose this game, which I think they do. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. I'm gonna think they continue. Maybe they won't. It's not every win in the NFL is pretty. Sometimes you have to win ugly, and I don't think we're used to seeing the Chiefs win ugly. But they're showing they can. And I think for teams that show they can win ugly, at least for me. That almost gives me more confidence because you know what? Come playoff time, when we hit the when we hit weather that's freezing and snowy and windy, potentially, you're gonna have to win ugly. And I think coming into the year, I didn't know if the Chiefs could win ugly, but they certainly showed me this year that they definitely can if they have to. So I think they beat the Raiders. Raiders digging themselves a hole. I don't think they'll be able to climb out of it. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll surprise me. Maybe they get an upset win this week, which, based on their inconsistencies, I guess shouldn't surprise me too much. But I do think the Chiefs win and improve to 9-4 and four on the season. Everyone's talking about what's wrong with the Chiefs. If they win this game, they are 9-4. and four. Last time I checked, 9-4 and four is a pretty good record. And I think so many teams, so many teams in the NFL would kill to be close to 9-4 and four, or to be 9-4. and four. So, I, I like the Chiefs here. I think they sweep the Raiders on the season and do get their ninth win on the season as they roll as they roll into the final home stretch. Keeping it, you know, within divisions as this is a huge game for both teams. The Baltimore Ravens taking on the Cleveland Browns. I talked about the Raiders, a 6-6 six six team, 7-6, seven 6-7, six, six how big of a difference that is. That's how it is right now with Cleveland Browns. Six and six. Obviously a win, seven and six. A loss, they drop to six and seven. For the Ravens, 
yeah, they're eight and four, and a lot of teams would love to be eight and four, but they haven't played well the last few weeks. Yeah, they beat Cleveland two weeks ago. Lamar Jackson his offense did not look very good. The one you know, the touchdown they scored when Lamar kind of heaved it up. I don't want to say he got lucky, but typically Mark Andrews isn't going to be wide open in the end zone like he was. And then last week, the Steelers completely contained Lamar Jackson. And I really think a trade that's not being talked about enough from this past offseason, Orlando Brown Jr. got traded to the Kansas City Chiefs for a first-round pick. Now, they, the Ravens took uh, Odafe Owe. Odafe Owe. And, look, I really like Owe. Think he's gonna be a really great pass rusher in this league. But this offensive line is not the same. Something I've, con- I've constantly praised about Baltimore is the ability to build around Lamar Jackson and make life easier on him and build a great stout offensive line. That offensive line is not what it used to be. It's still a solid offensive line. It's not terrible, but I don't think it's one of the most dominant like it has been in the past. It struggled this year. It hasn't been as great as it's been in the past. And I think that's hurt this team at times. I think we saw it against Pittsburgh, the way T.J. Watt took over the game, put the game in his own, own hands, and wrecked almost single-handedly this Ravens offense. I have concerns about this Ravens offense. I have concerns about Lamar Jackson. I'm going to go with the Ravens here. Because I think that defense is playing very well. And you look at Cleveland, that offense, there's nothing really to be you know, praised about right now either. Kind of similar to Baltimore's. I don't think Baker is 100% right. I think he's trying to play through so many injuries for the betterment of the team, which you tip your hat to him. But he's not right. They're not able to run, you know, teams know. Cleveland likes to run the ball to set up play action. They're keying in on the run. Ravens have a very solid defense now. I think Baltimore, this game won't expose Baltimore's secondary because the Browns don't have incredible talent on the perimeter from a receiver standpoint. But now, you know, Marcus Peters has missed the entire year. Remember, he, I believe, tore his ACL in the preseason. And now Marlon Humphrey's out for the year. So the Ravens once had one of the best secondaries in the NFL. They don't anymore. I still like this Ravens defense. But I think now there's a hole at second or at cornerback in the secondary. And when you face teams like the Bills, like the Chiefs, some of these teams that have speed and talent on the perimeter with quarterbacks who are healthy and can throw from every angle on any point in the field, that's going to hurt the Ravens. I think this is a good matchup for Baltimore because Cleveland doesn't have that because Cleveland's strength is running the ball. And right now I'd say Baltimore's strength is stopping the run, at least from a defensive perspective. And we've seen the Ravens, they want to, you know, Lamar's not playing his best football. They want to keep games I think low scoring and tight make teams force teams to run the football, and that goes well with what you know Cleveland 
those strengths are as well. So I like the Ravens because I think Cleveland's strengths match up with Baltimore's strengths at this point. But I think there are a lot of concerns with Baltimore as they match up against other teams in the AFC, especially they ha- as they head towards the postseason. So I have a lot of concerns for the Ravens, but I think some of those concerns at least will be put on pause for a week. I like the Ravens here. Browns, tough loss. They'll be at 6-7. and seven. And again, 6-7 and seven in the AFC is a lot different than 6-7 and seven in the NFC. Speaking of the NFC, we now turn NFC East, Washington hosting the Dallas Cowboys. Washington, a lot like last year, playing just much better football at this point in the season. They're probably one of the hot, sneaky, you know, sneaky, one of the hottest teams in the, in the NFL as they find themselves at 500, 6-6, six six, taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys only two games up on Washington. So if Washington gets this win here at home, this division all of a sudden is only separated by a game with these two teams playing each other one more time. I don't think that happens, though. I do think the Dallas Cowboys get a win. Washington, obviously that was a great win against the Bucks a few weeks back. You do look, though, the Panthers, that team is a little out of sync. I mentioned Seattle and all of their flaws. The Raiders have all their inconsistencies. So... A great win streak that Washington is on, a four-game win streak. But you look at some of their opponents, again, Tampa, that was, I mean, that was an incredible win. But Washington, not exactly playing the best of the best outside of the Buccaneers game. I like the Cowboys here. They have been inconsistent. But, I, I mean, I love what Tony Pollard brings to the table. I think his change of pace to Zeke really meshes well. I think Dak's going to have a really solid game. And you look at Amari Cooper. They wanted to limit his snaps coming off the COVID list. I think he's going to get more playing time. And again, we really haven't seen for a full game a fully healthy Cooper, Gallup, and C.D. Lamb. And I think we're going to start to see that more and more. You know, Washington, again, uh, obviously they played Seattle really well. But they, in my mind, and again, Tampa, they played great against. But this is going to be their first test in a few weeks where they're going to face this high-octane offense that can move the ball at a high level in multiple ways where the Cowboys have three receivers that can stretch the field and could be number one playmakers on a lot of other teams. So I'll be really interested to see how Washington handles that. They've gotten, they've had great pass rush production even without Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Sweat was supposed to come back this week. He won't. He's on the COVID list. I am going to go with Dallas. It'll be a tough game. They're going to have to grind it out. I think I think Pollard should get more playing time than Zeke. Zeke is obviously hobbled. It seems like whenever Pollard comes in, he energizes that offense, energizes that team. Oh, it's almost I feel like a breath of fresh air when Pollard enters. He just looks faster on TV. Then Zeke does, even in the you know, even when both are in the open field. So I would like to see Pollard get a lot more playing time than he than he has in the last few weeks. We even saw not much playing he had a decent amount of playing time, breaks the touchdown against New Orleans, special team session against the Raiders a couple weeks back. So I really want to see Pollard get more playing time. I'll be really you know, it should be fun to see Gallup, Cooper, CD Lamb all healthy. Hopefully their snap counts will most likely be to what we will grow accustomed to seeing over the next three weeks or few weeks, I should say. 
I like Dow. I like Dallas in this one. I think they get a huge road win, and you know, for not maybe not officially, but I think they pretty much lock up the division this week with a win in Washington. Let's go now. Final game of the one o'clock window: the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Tennessee Titans. I like the Titans here. I know the Titans haven't played their best football. Uh, Jaguars just lost by thirty points. It doesn't seem like Urban, I mean, the whole Urban Meyer not, you know, agreeing with the media about how the RB running backs are being used with Hyde and Robinson. Yeah, okay, you can disagree with your running backs coach and how your know, receivers are running back and how guys are being utilized. But then that's your job to step in. He, you have the authority authority to overrule your position coaches. It's part of your job for substitutions and personnel. That's part of what it means to be an NFL head coach. As that, I mean, that's something that he has to do a better job of. The Jaguars are, the Jaguars are a bit of a mess right now. Yes, they got Trevor Lawrence. That's obviously not fixing a ton. I like the Titans here. They haven't played great football, but I think they get back on track with a get-right game against their division rival Jaguars. Giants, Chargers now. I don't know if it's going to be Jake Fromm or Mike Glennon. I don't think it matters. We saw how Glennon played last week. Yeah, he made some nice throws. It's not just Glennon, though. Galladay has a rib injury. We'll see if he plays. Tony and Shepard are both banged up. We'll see if they play. Odori Jackson, one of their better cornerbacks, had a, has come a long way this season, playing really good football. He got injured a couple weeks back. The Giants are so banged up right now, and it's not an excuse because even when this team is fully healthy, they have a lot of holes on this roster. Uh, this offensive line is one of the worst, if not the worst, in the NFL outside of Andrew Thomas. And now you're going to L.A. They're already in, on the West Coast. They're spending the entire week on the West Coast. But now you have to face Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. I think Herbert's going to pick apart this defense. I think the Chargers defense is going to make life hard on whoever the Giants quarterback is. And I just think the Giants are going to have a really tough time handling the Chargers. The Chargers, I don't want to say this game will be a blowout, but the Chargers should win this one pretty easily, especially when no Daniel Jones and all the other injuries the Giants are dealing with. Chargers at home, Chargers should win this game. Now talking about the no longer winless Detroit Lions taking on the Denver Broncos. I think the Lions... I think they potentially could make a bid for their second win. I don't think they will. This is a West Coast game for Detroit, so they do have to travel a bit. It's outdoors compared to indoors that the Lions are used to playing in. I like the Lions in this game. Or, excuse me, I like the Broncos in this game. I know they didn't have a great showing against the Chiefs, but... I think they're gonna. I think they'll be able to run the ball really effectively, whether it's Melvin Ingram or Javante Williams. You know, if Gordon plays, it'll most likely be a combination. Javante Williams looked really good on Sunday night. The Broncos. I think they'll be able to run the ball at a really high efficiency rate. They're not playing this powerhouse offense, so I think their kind of idea of ball control, take time of the clock. I think it's going to work a lot better against the Lions. And I think defensively, I think they're going to create turnovers they have over the last few weeks. Broncos have had a very solid season, obviously coming up short against the Chiefs. They're 6-6. Six and six. 
So I do think the Broncos, this is a team that when the season's all said and done, I think they'll be on the outside looking in. But there are a lot of definitely interesting aspects that you can build on. Bridgewater's not the future at quarterback for Denver, but I think Denver has a lot of really good pieces in place at receiver, at cornerback with Patrick Sertan, who's having a really nice year. I think we'd be giving Sertan a lot more love if Micah Parsons wasn't, if Micah Parsons didn't seal up defensive rookie of the year like three weeks ago. Parsons is having such a great year that we don't talk about some of these other really good defensive rookies as much, and Sertan is one of them. He's played really well, especially the last three weeks. I expect that to continue. Lions, yeah, they have TJ Hawkinson, but they don't have that great number one receiving threat. I like the Broncos here at home. I think they get a win over the Lions. Niners, Bengals. I think this is one of the best games. One of, it might it might be the best game of the week. I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals here. Niners, they're 6-6. Six and six. And they've definitely fallen off after their win against Minnesota. Not a great showing against the Seahawks. It was in Seattle, which is always a tough environment. But the Niners are a better team than Seattle. That's just how it is. They're a better team than Seattle. So to lose that game, that's a that's a tough loss to swallow. Bengals, that was a bad game. That was a bad game. I thought the Chargers would win that game, but... Uh, catch the ball they have to hang on to the ball and they have such a young team and they played so well early on that we sometimes forget how young of a team they are and how they're gonna make mistakes and I think again because they were so great so early on and I think they're ahead of schedule in their rebuilding process we tend to forget about that so I'm gonna go with the Bengals Bengals I think are a really intriguing team to watch this offseason because so much of their team has overperformed which is a great thing on the other hand, some of that, I think, is bound to regress. I think there's going to be just some regression to the mean, which is only natural. So I'll be really interested interested to see how the Bengals approach this offseason, how they protect Joe Burrow more, how they improve the secondary. You you do have guys that are like Chidobia Wuzier playing really good football right now. So this Bengals defense uh, is, I think, overperforming along with the offensive line. I was skeptical of the Trey Hendrickson signing. This offseason, but he's had a phenomenal year with Cincinnati. I'll be interested to see if the Bengals try to maybe sign or draft another edge rusher to go on the other side of Hendrickson. I think the Bengals bounce back. Again, if Jamar Chase catches the ball instead of it leading to an interception, if Joe Mixon doesn't just drop the ball in where the Chargers picked it up and scored a touchdown, I'm not saying the Bengals win that game, but that's definitely a much closer game than what the final score said. I like the Bengals here. This game's at home. I think it's going to be a really good game, really competitive game. We know the type of mindset and mentality that Joe Burrow has. I think whether you could say it's his fault or not, I think last week's loss will get to him, get him in a positive way, in a motivational way. And he's going to come out, even with the injured uh, finger, I think he's going to come out on a mission. I think he's good. I think I think he's going to really you know try to prove a point that no, we're not a fluke. This you know last last week was a fluke. We're gonna and tr- just kind of try to prove uh, almost reprove themselves. Big game for you know now the Niners. I talked about seven and six versus six and seven. This is another one of those games. Bengals seven and five. If the Bengals can win this game and are at eight and five, they're setting themselves re- they're setting themselves up really well come January and potentially really 
as I said, they're ahead of schedule. You really have to love what Joe Burrow has done, what the Bengals have done. As I said, one of the most interesting, intriguing, or intriguing teams to watch, in my mind, this upcoming off season. I like the Bengals here to improve to 8-5. and five. Niners, even at 6-7. and seven. Again, they're in the NFC, so I still think they would be in the thick of it, even with a loss to Cincinnati. Now, I think the game that, probably maybe the game of the week, I think a lot of people have this one circled, Buffalo Bills, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You have to be concerned for a Bills fan. You look at their last two losses, the Colts and Patriots. They ran they ran the ball down Buffalo's throat. The game against the Patriots, everyone, every single person knew New England was running the ball, and they couldn't stop them. New England was creative in some of their looks. They were creative in some of their run designs. But there are a lot of run plays that were just straight up the gut. And Buffalo still couldn't stop them. And that's a concern because, again, come later December, we're in December now. As we get closer to January, into January, deeper and deeper into the season, it's going to get colder. It's potentially going to get windier. Snow will come, especially in Buffalo. And you're going to have to stop the run. You're going to have to stop the run. You're going to have to run the ball yourselves at a, at a high rate, at an effective rate. And we saw now the Colts and Patriots dominate. Not just win, but absolutely dominate at the point of attack. It's a real concern if you're the Bills. As we'll see, I'm going to go with the Bucks here. Uh, it's, in, it's in Tampa. <clears throat> Tom Brady... He kind of got back on track against Atlanta. Bucks playing really solid football. I think they're going to try to run the ball down Buffalo's throat again. But I have concern. I really do have concerns about the Bills. And keep in mind, they're seven and five. They're right now in the last seed in the NFC. It is far from a guarantee that they will be in the playoffs. A team that many thought were the AFC favorites. Potentially a, a prime Super Bowl contender heading into this year, there is a very realistic possibility that the Buffalo Bills will be watching the entire playoffs from their couches. They have to get the running game worked out, both offensively and defensively. Josh Allen's played okay. In my mind, he hasn't played great football. The biggest question is the run game. They got dominated. I mean, They got bullied in the trenches, and there's no other way to say it. They beat themselves up last week, too. Bad digs drop. Breda, not knowing, not 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 knowing, but, you know, just bad fundamentals on the handoff resulting in a fumble. Bows have to get a lot of work cleaned up, and now they have to go against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Tough turnaround if you're a Bills fan or or a member in that organization. I like the Bucks here at home. Sunday night football, oldest rivalry in the NFL. The Chicago Bears taking on the Green Bay Packers. Fields is back. I like the Packers in this one. I think you know they're playing great football right now. You know Aaron Jones seems to be healthier. Packers getting the bye last week, so they've had an extra week to prepare for this one. It's at home in Green Bay. If you're a Bears fan, I think you're really just interested to see how Justin Fields fares. Prime time Sunday night football, 
really difficult environment against a good defense. I think it's really interested, interesting to see, can Fields take that next step in development? How does he deal with the bright lights on in a tough environment in Green Bay against a really good defense and a big rivalry? I'll be really interested to see that side. And the Packers, I mean, they're doing this with no Jair Alexander, no Zadarius Smith, and no David Bakhtiari. And there's a good chance they get at least two or even all three of those guys back. Uh, Jair Alexander getting uh, the 21-day window um, to come off IR. That oh, they, Packers opened that 21-day window today. So they have essentially Alexander's 21 days uh, to get back on the playing field. According to certain reports, it looks like potentially he could be playing as early as this week, maybe more likely next week. But Jair Alexander potentially coming back from the Packers. Packers only getting healthy, healthier, I should say, and they're already playing great football. They've established themselves as one of the favorites in the NFC in a really crowded NFC picture. So real. Um, I think, you know, Packers should handle business at home, but a really big game in Justin Fields' development to see how he fares. Tough, tough team to face. Big rivalry game inside your division in a really tough environment to play on. Coming off of injury, I'll be really intrigued to see how Fields handles that pressure. Now wrapping up, Monday Night Football, a great game. Really, one you can make the case it's the best for last, for the second week in a row. The Los Angeles Rams, who a lot of concern, what's going on with the Rams? I know it's the Jaguars, but that was a statement win by the Rams. I thought it had to be a statement win. It had to be a convincing win. It sure was, thirty-seven to seven, taking on Arizona, the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals. We typically don't think of Arizona as like a tough team. You know, they're more of like you know we think of air raid offense and airing it out. Well, they had to go into Chicago tough environment to play in, as I think the Cardinals, again, we think of them as an airing it out team, winning shootouts type of team, and that really hasn't been, you know, that really hasn't been them this year. They've won games in difficult environments. They've won games by running the football. They've won games with tough defense. The Cardinals are winning games in different ways, and I just think we're not accustomed to seeing that with Arizona. This is such a tough game to pick. I'm going to pick the Cardinals, and I think that's a big reason why, because obviously with Kyler Murray, you know, he's back from injury, as is DeAndre Hopkins. I think Hopkins will play more. You get a bit of a longer week. We'll see if Chase Edmonds comes back for the Cardinals. So Arizona getting healthier like the Green Bay Packers. The Rams are just winning games in ways we're not used to seeing. Or excuse me, the Cardinals are not winning games in ways we're used to seeing Arizona win games, as I said. We come to think of them in their dome stadium, airing it out. They're playing really good defense, and they're winning games in every way you can imagine. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Rams, yeah, great convincing win against the Jaguars. Let's see you do it against a prime contender. These two teams faced each other earlier in the year in L.A., and the Cardinals won pretty convincing, pretty convincingly, as I don't know if they'll win in that fashion this week. I think the Rams kind of pick themselves up after that win against the Jaguars and are, or, and are going to continue to play better and better football now and get back on track. But Cardinals are playing better football around and better football all around in all three phases. They're playing more consistent football. You really have to love to see what Arizona is building. This isn't a one-dimensional football team. This team isn't saying, Kyler Murray, you know, take us to the promised land. 
promised land. They're not looking at Kyler Murray to constantly bail them out, which is, I think, what a lot of people expected them to do. And that's just not happening. So I'm going with the Arizona Cardinals on Monday Night Football. That's all the time we have on NFL Game Time Podcast. We'll see you next week.